MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, August 31st. Allison Gill is on vacation. I'm Stephanie, your guest host, otherwise known as LB, for my Twitter handle at Lincoln's Bible. Let's get into it. Hurricane Ida made landfall Sunday morning in Louisiana and across neighboring Gulf states as a Category 4 storm, bringing 150 mile per hour winds a large storm surge, and the threat of up to two feet of rain. In the 16 years to the day since Hurricane Katrina, billions of dollars have been spent on levee upgrades, and state officials anticipate the pump and levee system to hold during the storm. Still, it's Mother Nature. As of Sunday, Louisiana was reporting that nearly 500 COVID patients remained on ventilators, and 84% of ICU beds were full. The evacuation of our hospitals is not an option, the governor said. Some patients with acute needs have been transferred from more rural hospitals to larger ones. As Mother Jones put it, on the whole, patients and medical systems will simply have to weather the storm. President Biden met with FEMA officials on Hurricane Ida on Sunday following landfall. Biden warned that Ida is a life-threatening storm, saying the devastation is likely to be immense. He urged residents to take the warnings seriously. In advance of the storm's landfall, The president approved emergency declarations for the states of Louisiana and Mississippi, authorizing emergency preparation and protective measures, including direct federal assistance, such as power generation, air transportation assets, wildlife management assistance, and water management for both states. The president visited FEMA directly after attending the dignified transfer at Dover Air Force Base for those killed in Afghanistan. The 13 troops were killed last Thursday in a terrorist bombing outside the Kabul airport gates as they assisted in the massive airlift and evacuation mission in the final days of America's longest war. Nine hours before the plane carrying the remains of our fallen had even landed at Dover, chaos agents for the former president spewed their lies, declaring on social media that the plane had landed and President Biden was not there to receive the fallen. I will not elevate the names of Donald's sycophants, but you can find screenshots of the tweets on fact-checker Daniel Dale's Twitter timeline. The Republican nonsense operatives continue to refuse to acknowledge that it was Donald Trump who negotiated with the Taliban around our Afghan partners to release 5,000 terrorist prisoners in a one-sided deal ending America's war mission in Afghanistan. According to the Washington Post, even H.R. McMaster recently called Donald's deal a, quote, surrender agreement with the Taliban, end quote. That's Donald's deal. Another member of the one-term former president's National Security Council said it was a, quote, very weak agreement. Casino bankrupt Donald remains a shit dealmaker. Immediately after the deadly attack in Kabul, President Biden delivered a stark message to those who carried it out, while also pledging that the evacuation of Afghanistan will continue. America does not abandon its mission when attacked by terrorists. Know this, Biden said to the attackers, quote, we will not forgive, 
We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. I think it's important to keep repeating that. I do. In the three days since the attack, the U.S. has acted on the president's words with two drone strikes. On Friday, a strike was launched against an ISIS-K planner in eastern Afghanistan. And on Sunday, U.S. Central Command confirmed a second strike on a vehicle targeted a suspected ISIS-K suicide bomber who posed a, quote, imminent threat to the airport. At his presser last Thursday, President Joe Biden held a moment of silence to honor the American service members who lost their lives, calling them heroes and the best the country has to offer. The Department of Defense has released the names of all 13 servicemen and women who perished. In a Sunday report by CNN's Paul Murphy and Madeleine Fitzgerald, here is what we know about some of those who gave their lives in service to this country. I'm just going to read from their report, you guys. I think this is important to do, too, and I didn't want it to go unsaid. Lance Corporal Riley McCollum. Royce McCollum, the older sister of U.S. Marine Riley McCollum, told CNN her brother, who was 20 years old, was an amazing man with a passion for the Marines. He was a son, a brother, a husband, and a father with a baby due in just three weeks, she told CNN. She added that Riley had wanted to be a Marine his whole life, so much so that even as a toddler, he carried around a toy rifle in his diapers and cowboy boots. Riley was a native of Wyoming. He was on his first deployment and had been determined to be infantry. He was sent to Afghanistan when the evacuation began and had been manning the checkpoint when the suicide bomb went off. Dagan Page, 23, Corporal. Dagan will always be remembered for his tough outer shell and giant heart, the family said. Our hearts are broken, but we are thankful for the friends and family who are surrounding us during this time. Dagan planned to possibly become a lineman once his Marine enlistment was finished. He was raised partly in Iowa and near Omaha, Nebraska, and served at Camp Pendleton in California. He had four siblings, the statement added. I'm looking at his picture now. He's got a beautiful smile. I hope his family knows we're all thinking of them. Maxton Soviek, U.S. Navy Corpsman Maxton Soviek, was most proud to be a Navy Corpsman and a devil dock for the Marines. His parents, Kip and Rachel Soviek, told CNN in a statement. His final words to Rachel over FaceTime, his mother, when he was telling her goodbye, was after she told him to be safe, and he said, Don't worry, Mom. My guys got me. They won't let anything happen to me. Today, she realized that they all just went together. Maxton's parents described him as an awesome young man who was well-liked in the community as evidenced by the outpouring of condolences from teachers, coaches, employers, family, and friends. Maxton was always proud of being part of a state champion wrestling team and state playoff Final Four football team two years in a row. Soviet had 12 brothers and sisters. Hunter Lopez, Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22, of Indio, California, was also identified as one of the U.S. service members killed Thursday. Alicia Lopez, his mother, described her son as a resourceful child with a promising future and spoke about an earlier exchange between the two after he shared a picture of himself with a small Afghan boy. My son called me and told me that the photo of him and the little boy 
He scooped up the little boy and carried him on his shoulders for five miles to safety. He told me, Mama, we are so resourceful. We hot-wired a car and got back to base to be safe. My son was going places, his mother added. Jared M. Schmitz. The family of Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared M. Schmitz, 20, is also going to Dover Saturday, his father Mark Schmitz said in a statement to CNN. The love and support that we've experienced is incredible. Jared's entire world was a U.S. Marine Corps. Schmitz was from Wentzville, Missouri, and was particularly close to his nine-year-old special needs sister, his father said. She worshipped the ground he walked on, Schmitz wrote in his statement. He would meet her at the bus stop every day and walk home. It really made her day. Schmitz's father added his son was a great friend. Nicole L.G. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole L.G., 23, of Sacramento, California, was also identified by the Defense Department as one of those killed Thursday. Just six days before the deadly attack, the department posted a photo on social media that was taken from G's Instagram account and showed her holding an Afghan infant with the caption, I love my job. Following the attack, G's friend Mallory Harrison posted a powerful tribute on Facebook, calling G my very best friend, my person, my sister forever, my other half. My best friend, 23 years old, gone. I find peace knowing that she left this world doing what she loved, G's friend added. She was a Marine's Marine. She cared about people. She loved fiercely. She was a light in this dark world. Darren T. Hoover. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover, 31, was from Salt Lake City, Utah. There's a GoFundMe page for him on that page and is verified. It tells us that Hoover is survived by his parents, two sisters, and his fiance. His father, Darren Hoover, said his son was the best son that two parents could ever ask for. Loving, caring, big old teddy bear. He was always the one to step up and defend the little guy. His heart was as big as can be. He has always been my hero. Kareem M. Nakui. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem M. Nakui, 20, of Norco, California, was a true hero, according to a verified GoFundMe page set up by a family friend. He was a light in our family. His aunt, Jamie Chappelle Wong, wrote, funny, charming, driven, talented, and dedicated to being a Marine. The family is hoping to raise money for things, including gas and groceries, to help lighten the load as they mourn and navigate this awful reality. The other victims include Marines, Army, and Navy service members. Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosario Picardo, 25, of Lawrence, Massachusetts. Marine Corps Corporal Umberto A. Sanchez, 22, of Logansport, Indiana. Marine Corps Lance Corporal David L. Espinoza, 20, of Rio Bravo, Texas. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola, 20, of Rancho Cucamonga, California. It's important to remember. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan C. Noss, 23, of Coryton, Tennessee, was also among those killed. Noss was assigned to 9th Psyop Battalion, 8th Psyop Group, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. May they rest in peace. Okay, shifting now to covid news. A California elementary school teacher took off her mask for a read-aloud in the classroom. Within days, half her class 
elementary school children were positive for Delta. Oh, good Lord. The Marin County teacher on May 19th, who was not vaccinated against the coronavirus, began feeling fatigued and had some nasal congestion. She dismissed it as allergies and powered through. While she was usually masked, she made an exception for the story time so she could read to the class and apparently infect a bunch of children under the age of 12. Good grief. By the time she learned she was positive for the coronavirus two days later, half her class of 24 had been infected, nearly all of them in the two rows closest to her desk. And the outbreak had spread to other classes, siblings and parents, including some who were fully vaccinated. <sighs> Tracy Lamb Hine, an epidemiologist for the county, said in an interview, quote, the mask was off only momentarily, not an entire day or hours. We want to make the point that this is not the teacher's fault. Everyone lets their guard down. But the thing is, Delta takes advantage of slippage from any kind of protective measures. Just this month in Brevard County, Florida, 1,623 children were infected and more than 8,000 students were quarantined. And in the Atlanta area, thousands of positive cases were confirmed in schools with 23,000 students and staff have been quarantined. The situation has turned the nation's schools into ideological battlegrounds, with one angry parent ripping off a mask from a teacher's face in a Texas school this month, and parents both for and against masks filing lawsuits against their children's school districts. Without concerted efforts to curb Delta's transmission, things are likely to get worse in coming months. A simulation posted this month by a CDC-funded lab predicted that in elementary schools, without either masks or regular testing, more than 75% of children might be infected with the coronavirus in the first three months. 75% infected. Okay, I'm reading this all from the Washington Post. In other news, on Saturday, to mark the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington, thousands rallied for voting rights in D.C. The primary focus and message was to voice support for expanding and protecting access to the ballot. Demonstrators urged Congress to pass the For the People Act, a sweeping elections and ethics bill that would impose national standards for voting and override state-level restrictions. They also called for passage of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. I know that Allison has talked about this nonstop. Ah, she's right with everything she says about it. The act aims to restore voting rights protections that have been weakened by the U.S. Supreme Court. In that vein, I hope everyone is paying attention to what House Majority Whip James Clyburn, is saying around this issue and the filibuster. His proposal is sometimes being termed a carve-out in the press. As our mainstream news channels often fail to explain what anything means, I had to look that up. What do they mean by this carve-out? Maybe you did too. Here's what he's asking for. The distinction he's making is to separate the filibuster from constitutional rights. So keep the filibuster for regular legislation, fine. But constitutional rights... Rights expressed specifically in the Constitution should not be filibustered. Because if we don't protect our constitutional right to vote, here's the warning from Clyburn, and the stakes are real. Pass voting bills or face minority rule again and forever. Either our votes count or they don't. Let's pass these bills. Okay, finally, sports. Yes, sports news. AG said I could report any news I wanted, so we're doing sports. Now, I don't do sports. <laughs> I don't. I don't follow anything. 
Uh, okay, well, not quite true. I do love the Olympics and sometimes baseball when either the Dodgers or my pre-Los Angeles home team, the Kansas City Royals, are in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so the Olympics are not over, everyone. If you're not watching the Paralympics, you are missing the most incredible athletic competition. I mean it. Since they never get any mainstream press, we're going to cover a few stories from Sunday's games in Tokyo. I'm going to read from my pages again. This is a day five review. All right. Great Britain becomes the first European nation to win gold in wheelchair rugby at the Paralympic Games with a 54-49 win over the USA, who were hoping to upgrade from their silver from Rio 2016. But they didn't. Great Britain, first European nation to win gold. The last time Great Britain played for a Paralympic medal was Beijing 2008, where they finished fourth. But after showing their strength in the semifinals against Japan, then taking control to beat world number two, USA, the Brits showed they are the real deal. Okay. Brazilian Mariana DeAndre captured her country's first Paralympic gold medal. First one for Brazil. First goal. The Brazilian pushed 130 kilograms in her third lift in powerlifting. All right. She's strong. I like her. Good for her. There was a triathlon thriller. Kendall Gretsch can now claim to be the queen on land, water, and snow as a U.S. para-athlete captured the women's PTWC gold in exhilarating fashion. Gretsch showcased her Nordic skiing arms, the ones that helped her claim two gold medals in 2018 to overtake Austria's Lauren Parker at the finish line to win by one second on the last day of para-triathlon action. Okay, let's not mess with her. She kind of scares me. I- I'm all for that. Go, Kendall. U.S. Okay, here's, here's the best one for me. Great Britain surprised those in the know to win gold in the equestrian team test to music, which is basically dressage, despite the full team having less experienced horses. Guys, their ho- none of their horses had been in any competition before. <laughs> I can't tell you how hard that is. They won gold with a combined score of 229, only narrowly ahead of the Netherlands, who had really experienced horses, by the way, and they, who had a score of 229.2. Oh, the Great Britain had 229.9. Okay, and then the USA placed third for bronze at the Tokyo Paralympics. I just went, there was a great quote in here. Uh, they were just relaxed and they got it. And then here's here's Sophie Wells, okay, on the team. We all had horses that have never done it before and we've not been against anybody else. The Dutch are so strong. They're so established and secure on those horses and they've been doing amazing. We just made it look like we knew what we were doing when we really didn't. We haven't even gotten a champion horse on this team. <laughs> they won. They made that happen. All right. That is the end of my news Bible for today. We'll be right back with Allison talking to one of the co-hosts of Two Broads Talking Politics, Kelly Pollock. And after that, I'll be back with Louise Newfeld from Who Knew? Lou Knew. Prevail fame to deliver your good news. After these messages Hey everybody, it's Allison, and this segment of The Beans is brought to you by Proton. I know a lot of you are creators and artists running your own businesses, and now there's a new amazing tool for you to expand your customer base and reach more people. It's called Proton with two N's. It's an app-based, all-in-one tool for small businesses, and they have just announced an incredible free offer that I'll get to in a second, but first let me tell you what Proton is. It's like LinkedIn on steroids. You download the app for free, 
Then you create your presence in fewer than five minutes. So like, let's say you have an Etsy store or you sell your own website or other vendors. Then this is an additional tool you can use to grab more customers and drive them to your site and your business. You can attract new clients through engaging videos, then connect your calendar, hassle-free scheduling. It's amazing. Proton also manages your payments and provides detailed reports that allow you to understand and analyze your customer base and sales. And the stuff that just even if you're not selling anything physically, how it's driven to your site. And right now, Daily Beans listeners can try Proton free. Just visit proton.com slash dailybeans. That's proton with two N's, P-R-O-T-O-N-N dot com slash dailybeans. From there, you can download the app for free in seconds and set up your profile in minutes. No obligation. I just want you to check it out. It's really, really cool. So again, that's proton with two N's, proton.com slash dailybeans. And Today's episode is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Forbes reports that gyms and nail salons and gyms nail salon and hotels and mom and pop shops and more are gearing up for a huge surge. Plus, we've got this massive $3.5 trillion infrastructure deal we just signed. So we're going to have a huge surge of jobs that need to be filled. I'm the most excited for comedy shows and concerts and venues and all that opening back up. But the reopening is going to create all these new jobs. Where do these businesses turn to fill these roles quickly? ZipRecruiter. You can try it for free now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. By posting a job on ZipRecruiter, you have access to millions of job seekers across over 100 top job sites. And according to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employees invite candidates to apply get two and a half times more candidates. And ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at our exclusive web address at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. Let them know we sent you. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. Again, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am so thrilled to be joined today by my friend, Kelly Pollock. She's co-host on Two Broads Talking Politics, and she's starting a new podcast. And I wanted to talk to her about both of those podcasts today. Kelly, it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. We haven't been on a, a live stream like this since election night. I was going to say it was election night, right? <laughs> and we're like... It was so funny because I had been up months leading up to that. I'm like, Red Mirage, Red Mirage. It's going to look like Trump won and it's going to take a while. And then that night I was like, oh, my God. No, I think we were all just sort of. uh, That night was tough. We were all just kind of I think we were traumatized by 2016, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, we're like, oh, God, Cole, please, please. But uh, that was such a fun night. We had so many cool entertainers and podcasters and political talking heads, but it ended up okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell everybody, I really don't think that many in the Leguminati of our listeners are unfamiliar with your with your current podcast, but uh, tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, Two Broads Talking Politics started in September of 2017. So back when things seemed really dark <laughs> and <laughs> largely it started, my uh, my co-host and I, uh, somebody on Facebook said we should start a podcast because we both wanted to talk politics. It, it, the name is very, is what it is. And uh, both love talking politics and our husbands were getting sick of us talking about politics <laughs> <laughs> and we just had to talk more. So you know, really, when we started it, it was like, uh, I don't know, we'll just get on and talk to each other for half an hour and see what happens. And then very quickly turned into mostly an interview show and started talking to lots of uh, people, women, especially running for office and authors and, you know, all sorts of people like that. Uh, 
And, you know, it, it's gone over the years. It's been times when it's been three or four times a week, uh, right up leading to an election. And then, you know, times when life gets in the way and it's more like once a week, uh, which is what it's been lately. Um, but it's still we're, we're still having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And because we launched the Mueller podcast probably about two months after you after you yeah. launched. And then we did did each other's shows and then we would run into each other at Politicon and we would yeah. just kind of have followed each other's shows this whole time. I, you know, I, I absolutely love Two Broads and everyone I think needs to listen to it. Tell, tell everybody what part of the country y'all are out of, because this is interesting, right? Yes. So we are Midwesterners, definite Midwesterners. I live in Chicago. I live on the south side of Chicago, about a mile away from Barack Obama's Chicago house. I used to see him right during the transition. His motorcade would go by as I was walking to work. Uh, they, don't, they don't come back here very often anymore. Uh, and Sophie, my co-host, is in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we're both from Ohio, so we're Midwest born and raised, uh, and we're very much Midwestern moms. That's sort of what we bring <laughs> to to the political landscape. We're like, how do we raise good sons, and you know, <laughs> how do we do it in the Midwest? Yeah, and then you plug the work ethic in there because you know I'm from Ohio too. We've talked about this yeah. at length over the last several years. How has the news environment sort of? I thought, okay, well, Biden's president now. The news is going to slow down. It's going to get nice and quiet. It absolutely has not. Have you noticed the same thing? I mean, it's I thought for sure. I mean, it's the, the great thing is every single headline we reported yesterday was good news. Yeah. So it's different news, but I think it's just as much. Yeah, there is just as much news. Uh, what I do find is that, and this is a little bit troubling going into 22, is that I think People are a little bit burnt out on hearing from candidates and helping candidates. And I get it. I'd like, we poured our whole lives into 2020. I get it. But uh, next year's a really, really important election year. And so I'm hoping, like, we'll just all take a little pause right now and take a breather. We haven't talked to any candidates in a little while. We'll, you know, sort of talk to some other people, get interesting perspectives on other stuff. And then come back into it, you know, probably around January and just really hardcore push because I, I'm terrified for the next election. Yeah, the same days. And, and I've also noticed, I've noticed that as well, because we did work so hard, you know, we, yeah. this election of our lifetime, this is the election of our, the, of our lives, right? And I think that, you know, it's safe to say, and Andrew Torres and I have come to this conclusion, he's my co-host on Clean Up on L45 podcast, is that, from now on, every election is going to be the most important election of our <laughs> lives. There's no way around it with our democracy sort of teetering as it is. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, we have this whole sort of idea that, hey, if you're burnt out, I'll take the baton for a minute and you rest. Mm -hmm. and, and so like we're all just sort of supporting each other through this. And it's it's going to. I am also scared about a 2022, particularly with voting rights being under attack. And, yeah. you know, because Congress can't get their shit together to pass a Voting Rights Act. They won't get rid of the filibuster. You know, you know all the stuff. Yeah. But tell us now about your new podcast, because this is awesome. Yes. So the new podcast, and this is just me, no co-host. This is called Unsung History. And uh, this is a podcast about people, events in American history that maybe you don't know anything about, or you've heard it, but it's just like a name that you've heard and you don't really know anything about it. And uh, the idea is each week do sort of deep dive into a topic or a person. And the format of this podcast is the first five minutes or so is just me. I do a sort of a narrative background, just give you all the stuff you need to know. Like if you Googled somebody and 
looked them up on Wikipedia or biography.com or something, like what you'd find out about them. And then I interview someone. And what I say in the intro every time is I interview someone who knows a lot more than I do. So it's an expert. It's like a historian, a journalist, somebody who's, you know, written a book or an article or, you know, really done research on whatever topic it is we're talking about. Uh, but I want to do that narrative at the beginning so that listeners aren't totally out in left field because I've read the book that I'm talking to this person about, but, you know, listeners haven't always. So I want to sort of give them that background. Uh, but it's it's a ton of fun. Uh, we've done, I think I've posted 11 episodes so far, doing it weekly. And it's just, I'm having a blast. And it's a great to sort of step back from, it's not really separate from politics, of course. It's not <laughs> <laughs> very, very closely related, but to sort of have a different spin and sort of let me sort of reset my brain too from this, you know, crush of uh, current events and politics and sort of step back into the past. Right. It's less about arguing whether or not we should teach things in the classroom. It's just <laughs> teaching. And I think that that's amazing because, and I, you know, I was hoping for a podcast like this because of how many people, myself included, didn't learn about the Tulsa massacre until Donald Trump had his rally in Tulsa on or close to the anniversary. And then I was like, what's this about? And then you look into that and then you you, you yeah. start looking into sundown towns and all, you know, all these other things that we were not taught in school. I put out a tweet. When did you learn about the Tulsa massacre? Were you taught in school? 30,000, 40,000 likes and retweets of people yeah. be like today or, you know, same as you never heard of it, never was taught, never learned about that history. And there's just so much actual history out there. And I was like, God, there, there needs to be somebody that's not just talking about the fact we don't teach these things, but actually telling us what they are. So I, I'm so glad that you're you're on this doing this. Now, what's it like to do? Because I do now I do Muller She Wrote by myself. Right. And I, I have a, a co-host for the for the Daily Beans. It's different, right? Boy, it time goes by a lot faster when you don't have someone to to, <laughs> to talk to, right? You write this 15-page script and then you, you're done in 20 minutes. Yeah. How are you finding that challenge? Yeah, well, so since I interview people, you know, at least I have that and, yeah. and that, you know, sort of gives me that energy. But yeah, even that first five to seven minutes that I do by myself, it is totally different. And I've never done scripted before. So, you know, two broads was always just totally off the cuff. And so now I, but I have to make sure that everyone sort of gets this information that they need for the context. And I sit down and I write a script and that 750 words or whatever, that's like the hardest writing I have done since grad school 20 years ago. <laughs> I always think about it's like this whole new type of writing, and I, you know, I'm I'm loving it. It's really fun, but it's uh, it's a challenge for sure. Yeah, I was thinking about my dissertation the other day. I was I was on a a, a call with with some other doctors and PhDs, and and we were sort of taking a trip down a terrible memory lane <laughs> about our dissertations. And you know, my dissertation was 250 pages. 50 of that was citations. Right? Yeah. You can't have an original thought. Everything has to be active voice. My writing got so boring, like because I, I was a creative writing major before, but then now this was, you know, a public health <laughs> dissertation. Yeah. But I noticed that, you know, 200 pages, I'll do that in a week now. And that dissertation took me two fucking years. And it's because, you know, everything and in the news, you do the news, we do the news, everything we talk about in the news is has a cited source. Yeah. But we, then we, you know, we tend to also speculate, which a lot of journalists can't do and and try to connect dots and stuff like that. So it, it is a, it is a tough challenge that I want to talk a little bit more about some of the subjects that you're going over in your new podcast. But I have to take mm -hmm. a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. 
Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG with the Beans, and this segment is brought to you by Upstart. If you dread looking at your credit card statement because of the huge interest rates, you're making the minimum payments, but the balance just seems to stand still. You're not alone. It's like a cloud hanging over you, that debt. So many Americans are experiencing this because over the last year, many of us were living off of our credit cards and that debt can feel crippling. But Upstart can help. They can guide you to financial freedom. It's an online personal loan service that Upstart, they help you pay off your debt quickly. They have helped more than half a million people consolidate debt and pay off credit cards and fund personal expenses, too, with simple fixed payments. Most lenders only look at your credit score, but Upstart says you're more than a number. So they look at your income and employment history, too. And this allows them to offer smart rates with their trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And upon approval of your loan, your funds can be available as quickly as one business day. It's amazing. I know lots of people were, you know, during the downturn living off their credit cards. I really recommend you check out Upstart because you can find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today. Go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash dailybeans. And please use our URL. Let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and other certain information provided in your loan application. Just head to upstart.com slash daily beans. And today's show is also brought to you by my favorite cereal in the world. It's Magic Spoon. Okay, so I wrote a jingle on the spot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Magic Spoon. Your cereal's amazing. My jingle, maybe not so much. But having a high protein breakfast will jumpstart your metabolism for the whole day. So why not do it with Magic Spoon? It is my go-to cereal for a high-protein breakfast, and it tastes like the cereal from your childhood. So there's all that really wonderful nostalgia, but without all the fat, sugar, salt, and chemicals. They have, in Magic Spoon, zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, four net grams of carbs, and only 140 calories in a serving. It is deep breath, (gasps) keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. And you can build your own box or get a variety pack with all the available flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and then also peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. And Magic Spoon is bringing back two super popular flavors, cookies and cream and maple waffle. With these flavors, these were introduced for a limited time, by the way. They sold out extremely quickly, but they're back. So make sure to get these. They're delicious, indulgent. I love the great new flavors. Combining them is great too. Like you mix cocoa with peanut butter, you get a peanut butter cup. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans to grab your delicious cereal and try it today. Be sure to use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word at checkout, because that'll save you $5 off and free shipping. So they're so confident in their order. It is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all your money. No questions asked. So there's no risk here to try my favorite cereal ever in the world. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans to save $5 off. And thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring the episode. Sorry about the jingle. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking to my friend Kelly Pollock. She's the host of Two Broads, co-host of Two Broads, and her new podcast, Unsung History, which is a great name, and everyone needs to check it out. And I wanted to ask you, because I I alluded to this before the break, but what are some of the subjects that you're going over? Is it it like an historical event that you cover in an episode? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's a person that we're sort of doing a deep dive into their biography. I I realized when I had this idea to do a history podcast, started talking to my husband, we were going to do it together. We realized very quickly what he was interested in was things like presidential politics. And I was like, yeah, I don't care about the guys in charge. I want to know, like, what were the women doing? What were the people of color, the LGBTQ folks? You know, what what was everybody else doing in the country besides the president? So the the very first episode we did, and this is sort of what drove the podcast, uh, I did. Not we, I did. <laughs> I, 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 I can't stop doing that. that. <laughs> I know. 
I'm like, we here. And I'm like, nah, it's just me. Yeah. Yeah. So the the very first episode uh, was probably the lightest. There's a lot of heavy topics, I'll admit. But the first one was about uh, knitting. Uh, so I'm a huge knitter. I knit every day. And I found out that during World War I, back home on the home front, everybody was knitting. So women, men who were you know, still here because they were fire department or whatever, teachers, but also students, like everybody was knitting and they were knitting things that they sent to Europe for the soldiers. And so they were knitting socks that the soldiers needed. They used so much wool that uh, President Woodrow Wilson actually had sheep on the White House lawn. It was just it's a crazy story. And, it, you know, it's one of these when you look at the pictures, there's amazing pictures out there. It's fantastic. But it's one of these like it was our first ivermectin shortage. <laughs> these are the original craftivists. Uh, but, you know, it's like, why, why didn't I know about that? And so, you know, it's it's those sorts of things like, yeah, what what else was going on? What what are these stories that just sort of get hidden because it's not the rich white men who were doing them? So, you know, that that was sort of a lighter story. And then the second story uh, was, was much less light, but it was the, these were the two things that I sort of knew about going in that I wanted to do uh, topics of. Uh, and the second one is about, there was a, a shooting, uh, shootings, police shootings at Jackson State University. It was then Jackson State College in May, 1970. And it happened nine days after the Kent State shooting, but no one knows about it. So my parents were at Kent State in May 1970. And mine so, too. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I grew up on stories of Kent State. We would go up there and see where it would happen. And it wasn't until it was the 50th anniversary of Kent State, I interviewed my parents about the shootings and about their memories of that day. And they mentioned Jackson State. And I said, what do you mean there was another shooting right after that? I've never heard of that. So I talked to, uh, to someone, uh, Nancy Bristow, who's a, a professor who's written a book about the Jackson State shootings. And she was so thrilled that someone actually wanted to talk about it. <laughs> someone had heard about it and wanted to talk about it. And, you know, we talked about why, why is this so much less known, uh, partly because it's a historically Black college where it happened. Uh, you know, and when it is mentioned, it's mentioned in the same breath as Kent State, but the motivations were very different. What happened was very different. And so it's so interesting to sort of dive into these and sort of see a little bit more about what was going on. And, and these poor people who lived through that, some of the survivors are, are still alive who just say, why, why doesn't anyone care that, that we went through this? Why doesn't anyone pay attention? Uh, and so, yeah, so those are the kind of stories that sort of gives you a flavor of the kind of things we're doing. Uh, although I've recently done episodes on pirates and phrenology. So <laughs> there's a whole gamut there of, of things to talk about. Well, it's, that's so cool because my, my favorite teacher in all of my school days, you know, K through 12, was my history teacher, Ms. Ahrens. And uh, the way she taught history was she would say, okay, here's what the book wants you to know. The New Deal was signed. I want to talk about what else was going on in the country at that time. So she would start with the, the, the school book history. And then she would give us this rich context of everything else that was going on in the country and maybe other things that were going on. Like, did you know Beethoven wrote his Fifth Symphony while this was happening? And everyone's like, weird, I would have never put those two together <laughs> in the same year, you know. Yeah. And so that sort of context and telling those unsung stories, which is, you know, hence unsung history, I, I would assume just gave me such a, a, a richer idea of, of our history. And I, that's why I absolutely love what you're doing. And I think, it's, I think it's so, that's what rang my bell when you said Kent State. And did you also know yeah. 
nine days later, you know, so I think that that is fully important. And where do you see, do you see this going in the future? I mean, you know, there's a lot of history being written right now. I think when we look back in 50 years, this will be considered a very dark period in American history. And I'm, I'm interested to kind of maybe, maybe you could do like a episode <laughs> from the future, you know, <laughs> yeah. but then, but then you're back into news and politics. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's impossible to stay away from news and politics, right? So I did an episode on Mary Mallon, who, if you've heard of it all, you know, as typhoid Mary, not Mary Mallon, and sort of deep dive into what happened there and, and what's going on with this story. And it really, you know, right now, everything in politics is like so partisan and so like it's impossible to sort of see the other side and think about the, you know, well, maybe there is something over there I agree with, but you can't, right? Because we're sort of locked into these, these bubbles. But you can do that with the past, right? So I can look at this story and say, okay, I understand her motivations. I understand why she felt totally healthy. She didn't think she had to be locked up. I understand the public health motivations. I understand they wanted to save people's lives. I get that. And you can sort of sit with that uncertainty and the ambiguity and allow yourself to inhabit multiple viewpoints in a way that is so hard to do with the present. And so I, I like to sort of do that on the show too. And it, it comes up a lot, right? So we talked about, um, I had Kyle Volk on recently. He's a professor at the University oh, yeah. of Montana, talks a lot about alcohol and history of alcohol. We talked about these early prohibition attempts in the 1850s. And, you know, he was looking at this as sort of minority politics, but the minority here is liquor sellers, right? So <laughs> this is a group who the majority thinks we should have prohibition. And the minority is this group who is, you know, selling alcohol. But it lets you sort of play with these ideas and think about the ethics of things and and let me, as I was reading his book, think okay, well, the minority right now is people who don't want to wear masks and people who don't want to get vaccines. And if I can see in the 1850s why I think that people in the minority should have rights, can I see that in 2021? And, you know, they're very different situations and there's different answers yeah. and all and that. And your answer was no, not for <laughs> this particular no, thing. No, they can't. But it, it causes you to think about it, right? Yeah. But sort of letting yourself think about that, it's 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 really interesting. And it's it's led to a lot of really good dinner conversations with my kids, too, where I can say to them, like, does the majority always rule? And they say, yeah, of course. And I say, OK, but what about? <laughs> right. Yeah. And a lot of people thought the same thing about the American History X rant mm -hmm. to the kids outside of the store before they went in and destroyed it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were like, I know a lot of people were taken aback by that because the speech was so moving. It was absolutely disgusting and Nazi. But you know, it really made people stop and think like, oh, ooh, like it gave you the chills, you know, and yeah. I, I know I read a lot of stuff and a lot of art articles, a lot of people who were like, I was really like captivated by that speech. And no, it's not right. But I can see where these kids, these lost kids who have no one who believes in them, who feel left yeah. behind, if that sounds familiar, were looking for something like that. And were yeah. easily I could see how they would be easily motivated. So, yeah, it's it's always there in the background. Right. Yeah. But, you know, as to where I'm going with this in the future, a part of it's just sort of driven by what what new books are coming out, what interesting research are historians doing. But I, I sort of fell into a couple of themes, uh, sort of accidentally, really, by scheduling. So uh, my August theme has been the 19th century, which has been great. Uh, in October, I'm doing all women's history. 
And November, I am super excited about. Uh, November is Native American History Month. So I am doing all Indigenous history and all of the experts are Indigenous and really excited about the people I have coming on in November. So I, you know, it's, it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun to sort of play with different themes and topics and and sort of see where things go. That's going to be awesome. I really look forward to these shows. I don't listen to too many podcasts because I make so many podcasts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but this is what I'm going to be listening to. I really, really enjoy this kind of contextual history and curated history from, you know, the member Bill Barr. It's the winners who write history. Yeah. Well, we need to we need to hear it all. And it's very important, I think, moving forward to be able to understand those two, the different you know, facets of what sort of built our society. So I appreciate this. Everybody check out Unsung Heroes and Two Broads. You have to listen to Two Broads Talking Politics. It's They're both such great shows. And you can find them wherever you get your podcasts, I assume, right? Yes, absolutely. Or you can go to uh, twobroadstalkingpolitics.com or unsunghistorypodcast.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, Kelly. It was great to see you. Yeah, thank you. You too. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's AG. Thanks for listening to The Beans. We've created a wide range of content over the years for our show, videos, social posts, website designs, logos, posters, and etc. But it hasn't always been as, you know, an easy process before we hired an awesome person. But before that, we were limited by our software and my really bad design skills. But now, thanks to Canva Pro, I can design my social media posts by myself on any device like a professional. Canva Pro is a design platform that enables you to create stunning content in just a few clicks. It's easy and fun to create with Canva Pro, regardless of your experience level, of which I have none. A variety of professionally designed templates are available for you to customize with you drag and drop. It's so simple. Or you can start from scratch. And Canva Pro's endless fonts, videos, and photos let you add personality to your designs. They have an extensive library of tools and features and imagery. It's all included in your subscription. Just one subscription. Sharing and creating and organizing designs as a group has never been easier, too, because they help you maintain team projects all in one place. So you're not losing files or chasing people down for data. And with Canva Pro's content planner, you save time planning, creating, and posting social media content too. You can pause scheduled posts, edit them at any time. You know, normally you would just have to cancel the whole thing, recreate and repost. Not, not with Canva Pro. It's awesome. My favorite feature is the access to the 75 million photos and 400,000 free templates that Canva Pro has. And I can easily design these infographics and logos and posters and web events and more. So you can design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now you get a free 45-day extended trial. When you use our promo code, just go to canva.me slash beans to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's canva, C-A-N-V-A, dot me, M-E, slash beans. Canva.me slash beans. And today's show is also brought to you by the buttery, softest, bestest sheets ever in the world. For my amazing bed, you know how I love sleep. These are my bowl and branch sheets, and I absolutely love them. It's the little things, right, that make the biggest difference. The little things, they all add up to the legacy we leave behind. And Bolin Branch creators knew that. It was started by husband and wife team. They wanted to create a textile company that cared about the details and make their products that would last. You will feel the difference in their best-selling, beautifully crafted signature sheets. I am crazy about them. These Bolin Branch sheets are the softest, most amazing sheets that I sleep like a baby. They're so buttery, soft, and luxurious. This ultra-refined luxe fabric, it has this amazing drape to it and a silken feel, which I love. The cloud weight, super soft sateen weave gets softer with every wash. And it's perfect because the perfect balance of weight and breathability. So you can stay warm in cooler weather. You stay cool in hotter weather. And if you're a hot sleeper or a cool sleeper, it's perfect for you. Here's the cool thing too. No middlemen between you and your bowl and branch sheets. So you get the luxury quality at the fairest price. And they stand behind their products and honor a 30-night worry-free guarantee if you're unsatisfied. So to experience an entirely new standard of comfort, visit bowlandbranch.com. 
That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H. Bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at bowlandbranch.com and use that promo code DAILYBEANS for 15% off. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And I have my dear friend and mobsters and fools niche Twitter sensation. I think that's a good, that's a good uh, uh, moniker for her. Lou New. Hi, Lou. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm a little, uh, I, I think we need some good news. It, it, it's, um, I feel like it's been a little bit um, rough. <laughs> yes. The last couple of weeks and we have this hurricane now. And so just sort of paying attention to the news. I didn't think it could get any worse than it was. It feels like it's getting worse, Lou. It feels like it's getting worse. I don't know what you think about that. I think so too. Yeah. I have some dear, dear friends who live in New Orleans who have evacuated Um, and are terrified about what's going to happen to their house. And yeah. So uh, sorry for them. I don't know. I'm worried too. Okay. And then do you want to introduce yourself a little bit too? Because I don't know that you've been on. The Daily Beans before? I haven't been on The Daily Beans before. Um, my name is Catherine Louise Neufeld, and my Twitter handle is at Nina and Tito, um, who are my dogs. One of them has since passed away, but um, yeah, you and I have known each other for a long time. A long time. <laughs> really long time. Yeah. I can't believe how long it's been. I, I yeah. really can't. Yeah. Uh, but we met through Twitter, which is kind of cool. It is cool. It's like the one good thing that Tom Barrick did is brought you and me together <laughs> because uh, tweeting about Tom Barrick is, is how you found me. It's so true. I keep forgetting that, mm-hmm. but that was it. Yeah. That, oh, was, and, that um, was the moment. Can we do a, can we do a content warning? Oh yeah. We better do a content warning. Yeah. All right. For the people out there who are triggered by women laughing the uh, Giggle Police Special Troll Forces turn this podcast off now because we've known each other a long time and we know how to make each other laugh. So we do. I don't know if anybody else will find it funny, but let's maybe this good news is going to is going to perk everybody up. Uh, and, and I love that Allison does this. So let's let's get into it here. OK, you go first. OK, first up, we have Dave. He him from Thunder Bay. Dave writes, the Daily Beans has the coveted spot as the first podcast of the day for my walk to work, be it minus 30 or plus 30 degrees Celsius, minus 22 or 86 Fahrenheit. You seem to connect some dots that others are unwilling to do. Good news. My daughter got married last week to a good man. The wedding went pretty much perfectly. I wrote all the music for the ceremony and nailed the father of the bride's speech. Thanks, Toastmasters. Yeah, Toastmasters. <laughs> I don't know Toastmasters. Okay, you don't? Oh, it it's, it's a good stuff. Yeah, good okay, stuff. Okay, all right, all right. Public speaking. I wish the bride and groom happiness as they finish their degrees in nursing and engineering. Pet tax. I'm not losing a daughter. I'm gaining two grandkittens, Trouble, who is Black, and Mr. Pete, 
Peeps, who is white and orange. Mr. Peeps is a really good name for a cat. It is a good name. And we're looking at these pictures now. They're such munchkins. I know. And David, the beautiful wedding photo with Dave and his daughter. Oh my God, his daughter's gorgeous. I just skip the people and go, I I skip the people and go straight (laughs) to the animals. (laughs) But yes, this is a beautiful wedding photo. Oh my goodness. Good job, dad, getting, getting all the way to the finish line there. And then, okay, this black cat is really beautiful. The other cat is super cute kitten, but it kind of has like a blonde Hitler mustache going on there right across his... Oh no. I've never seen a blonde one. Yeah. It looks like there's one green eye and one blue eye too, which is pretty cool. This cat's very cute. They're both this very cute. Very cute cats. Yeah. Like this little kitten is fitting in somebody's hands. That's yep. how tiny it is. Teeny little, tiny. little tiny. Okay. All right. Here I go. So this is from comedian Aaron Trahan, as in Trahan Solo. That's our pronunciation key. <laughs> so Aaron writes, I just confirmed with my boss that our company Madhouse Comedy Club and restaurant in San Diego is requiring vaccinations for employment. Good job. I already was pretty 99% sure right, but I just wanted to double check before announcing. And the second announcement is that we're hiring for back of house. And as you can imagine, we need people. I started working there because of our mutual friend, Jordan Coburn who was a former co-host of the Daily Beads or the Beans and the Muller, she wrote. Fantastic. Very cool. All right, he continues. I'm a fellow San Diego comedian. And back when I started, Jordan was working here. And as you know, she's an amazing comedian and person. I didn't get around to listening to Muller, she wrote until later. But now I listen to about half of the shows on MSW Media. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my God, thank you. Thanks for everything, he says. All right. Well, Aaron... Very cool. And if anyone in San Diego needs a job, sounds like Madhouse Comedy Club and Restaurant will be a safe place to work because they are requiring vaccinations, which is very good news. Very good news. That's the best news ever, actually. Make them all get vaccinated. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Okay. Next up is Terry. Terry writes, confession. I find gruesome delight in counting the number of fruit flies in the bottom of my apple cider vinegar death trap. I feel you, Terry, because you and yes. (laughs) I didn't even know about this. Oh, it's great. Yeah. If you put a little like a drop of um, dish detergent in there, it'll super kill them. Okay. Back to Terry. Thank you for all you do, including letting me get that off my chest. Yay! Your murderous intent is fine here. It just depends on where you're directing it. Okay, here we go. As pet text, please accept this photo of my kids, they, them, chenille worm habitat reclaimed and repurposed from the long gone hermit crab phase of childhood. Good. Reuse, recycle, etc. Fascist tears. In the, uh, <laughs> that is yeah, fantastic. This is a great, we're looking at a little aquarium habitat thing in, inside the uh, chenille worm. Yeah, what is a chenille worm? I, I think don't know. is it, it just it, that toy? I think it, it's that toy. It looks like a Sesame Street character. I remember these, and they were on like a little fishing wire, and you could make them twirl around your finger. Do you remember this? Oh. And it was like your little pet. Oh, I'm right. older than you. Okay. okay, me and Terry are old. All right, here we go. Angela from Angela, she her. Angela writes, "I wanted to share this because it just made my week. My mom had a medical emergency earlier in the week." Thankfully, she is okay. You. And work has been unusually stressful. 
Oh, okay. Just let's keep going. Just an abundance of idiots, you know? Yes, we know. We know, Angela. We do. We know. So sorry. So Friday afternoon, I left the grocery store and got a text from Amazon about a purchase attempt I had not made. This just set me off. So I pulled over and called them ready to be angry. But I reached the most delightful man on the phone. And after he verified my account and wanted to confirm my most recent purchase, I was all, well, yeah, I did tipsy purchase the John Wick (laughs) and Dr. Ian Malcolm Funko Pop Dudes. That's not fraud. Oh, my God. This is great. This is fantastic. (laughs) This led to a 20 minute discussion of our love of action movies and Keanu Reeves. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I get to drop a little bit now. It's better in person. I guess can say from a distance, only from a distance, but holy cow, that is a beautiful human being. I think I saw Speed about a hundred times when I was in eighth grade because <laughs> oh of the, yes, because of the beauty that is Keanu Reeves. Oh, so. the beauty that is Keanu Reeves. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Angela continues. After he fixed my account, the Amazon guy, I asked if I could say something for customer service purposes. He agreed. So I said something along the lines of understanding the call is recorded for quality and I hoped Amazon would raise their base pay to at least $17 an hour and for crying out loud, let your people unionize if they want. Yes. <laughs> he about died. Made my week. For pet tax, I submit Amos, brother of Newt, the little one-eyed Lassa I shared a week or so ago. In these pics, he was stalking my work Zoom call. Thank you for all you do. Oh, my <gasps> God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Amos. Amos is a real cutie. Oh, look at Amos. Okay, so Amos has like, uh, he's a he little guy. He has puppy guy. dog ears. He has puppy dog ears, which are ears that are forward. Yeah, I don't even know what this, this might be a little multi-poo or something. I'm like not sure. Shih tzu or something. He's I don't know, clipped. But- He's clipped up, but he's got his tongue sticking out the side of his mouth. And that's it for me. I love him. The ears are killing me. (laughs) What a munchkin. Okay. On to Anonymous. He, him. Anonymous writes, you all are a daily source of sunshine and joy. My morning commute is made so much happier as I laugh my way through the news as presented through your collective lenses with the perfect blend of context, snark, and swearing. Yeah. I wrote in previously about my then two-ish-year-old daughter who happily and noisily sang the refrain from Bruno Mars' Uptown Funk as Uptown Fuck You Up in a crowded restaurant. (laughs) That is so good. Oh, fantastic. Today, I have a follow-up submission, this time for Shit Kids Say. That same sweet, somewhat aggressive and threatening little girl at around the same age as the previous incident once happily crawled around the (laughs) world. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Once (laughs) happily crawled around the house on all fours, kicking out her legs and happily shouting, fuck, fuck. After a few tense minutes, it clicked with her mom and me that she was (laughs) pretending to be a frog and was saying in her two-year-old way, frog, frog, with each leg kick. We, We quickly taught her that frogs say ribbit, and she spent the next several minutes ribbiting about the house until something new caught her fancy. Oh, man, that is good. That's a good one. We don't have any pets, but I'm a professional photographer. So meet Mika, who is very obviously a Siberian husky who I photographed last fall. Much love to you all. Oh, Mika's a pretty one. Oh, Mika is gorgeous. I don't know. It's just the perfect picture of a husky. So that's what we're going to describe to you. 
Imagine the perfect picture of a husky, and that's Mika. With the beautiful ears. I love the ears. So pretty. Uh, well, that is our good news. I don't want to say goodbye to you, Lou. I, I know. I don't want to say goodbye to you either. I, I don't, don't want to say. Why don't we do Zoom every day? <laughs> I don't know why we're not doing this. We have to Zoom. We talk on the phone, but we, I don't know. Do. You know why? Because there's so much sort of work and weirdness that you have to do over Zoom. It really is the office now. So yeah, I'm not true. talking to my friends over Zoom. I'm talking to them on the phone or I'm writing and texting. Yep. But. It, it is nice. I, I, I got to change that because, uh, you know, I feel like um, I feel we might be, you know, still sort of isolated a little bit more than we would all hope that it would be at this stage in the game. So sadly, we that are. is true. Thank you to all of the dumb fucks who refuse to get vaccinated for ruining everyone else's lives. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for joining me, Lou. All right. Remind everyone again where they can find you on the socials. Um, I'm only on Twitter and it's at Mina and Tito. That's me. That's it. That's you. And sometimes you're on Prevail, Greg Oliar's fabulous uh, podcast. Yes. And that, that little, you get a little highlighted section called who knew Lou knew. knew. Yeah. So Lou knew a lot of things, but Lou is very bad at writing. So I, I have told Greg that I'm working on some pieces for him. And then I, have a really, really clean apartment because I don't, I don't write the things I'm supposed to write. I clean instead. So, okay. Well, you know, it, it, that's important too, but get, get to writing lady, because you're a great writer and we all want to hear what you have to say since you are a seer and you do predict everything in advance, much like the great host of this and creator of this podcast, Allison Gill. So Allison's amazing. I know she's amazing. All right. So it was wonderful having you. Thank you. I'll see you over Zoom soon. We're going to Zoom it. Yes. All right. Bye. Thanks for having me, Daily Beans. You can find me, LB, at my Twitter handle, at Lincoln's Bible, and listen to my audio series, The World Beneath, about the history and intersection of mobsters and spies. On Apple the Daily Podcast Beans is written and executive produced by Alison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.